sex and lifestyle podcast that you didn't know you needed. This is the Swinging Soulmates podcast with your host, Mondo and Sativa. Please relax, unwind, and come play with us and our guest co-host as we candidly share our personal experiences and erotic escapades in the lifestyle. Motivated by passion and purpose, our goal is to create a community that allows themselves to be educated and entertained through the tales of the swinging soulmates. Mondo and Sativa are not medical professionals, yet we are a happily married couple of 19 years and in the LS for 10. We have a deep, unwavering commitment to our marriage and to holding a space in normalizing and redefining the concept of relationships and monogamy. The Swinging Soulmate strives to be a resource and inspiration to others. So subscribe, put a reoccurring play date on your calendar, and come along with us as we journey deep into our minds as Swinging Soulmates. Hello, sexy people out there. I hope that you are having a day full of love and light and a weekend full of good sex. This is Sunday that we're recording this episode on. And of course, before I go too far, you know who this is, your best friend, your freak in between the sheets. Um, hey, I could be everybody's freak in between the sheets. Um, you know, <laughs> your, your royalty. Lady Sativa, and then my king, my awesome husband. How you doing, Laura Mondo? There we go. I was like, I don't know if he was going to say his name or not. Um, and welcome, guys, back to another episode of Soulmates and Swingers. As always, I know that you guys love us, you support us, but just in case you have forgotten, please share, like, subscribe, leave a comment leave, you know, uh, constructive criticism, although I probably won't pay attention to it too much because I'm damn near perfect. No, I'm kidding. Uh, you, you guys know how I joke. Uh, so please do that. We'd love to, we'd love to talk to you guys. So please leave us, a, leave us a comment, leave us any show idea, just leave us some love. Um, we have a great, 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 great show today. As always, I mean, have I ever bought you a bad show? Um, but today we have a very special guest. You know, the purpose of our podcast is to have some grown folks talk. Um, but we also want to help, you know, eradicate a lot of the misconceptions. Um, there's a lot of people that are not having good sex. There's a lot of people out there that are not living their truth when it comes to uh, their sexuality. And it's such a huge part of who we are. It, it's, it's imperative. We have to do that. We have to understand why we do what we do, what makes us, you know, a little moist, um, what, what gives us those tingles. And we have to be able, especially as women, to communicate that. Um, same for men. Um, but I think that men, they don't have a problem saying what they want it will be if the women will accept it or not. And women accept it. Try it once. It's nice. 
two times. That won't hurt. Um, so this episode today, we have a So wait, special... wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, we have a very special guest co-host. This guest co-host is somebody that is going to provide and hopefully, uh, you know, foster a conversation that you may or may not want to have. Um, or maybe you're scared to have it. And so this episode can help to give you that catapult into a, into a comfortable lane. So today we have Wesley Toma, who is a master certified life coach. Oh, I like that. All kind of snaps. It's over, I'm sorry, Herbie is putting something up for me to read and I can't see. Um, he's going to say later, you need glasses, you're old. Uh, there we go. Thank you. So, as I was saying, guys, Wesley Toma is a master certified life coach with over 10 years of experience coaching and advocating for the LGBTQIA plus and kink communities, including polyamory, ethical non-monogamy, kink, BDSM, and other non-traditional relationships. I'm loving all of that right now. His goal in life is to help you navigate the sometimes scary world of relationships to become better partners, negotiators, and communicators. I love that. So I can continue to just give him all kind of shine, but we're going to let him come on right now and share with us his knowledge, um, you know, his viewpoint. And hopefully we can all walk away from this episode learning something and being a little bit more comfortable when it comes to having a healthy sex life. So please welcome to the podcast, our very special guest co-host, Wesley Toma. Thank you for having me. We are so excited to have you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to hang out with us. I'm excited to be here. This is, I've, I've been listening, I've listened to your podcast and I think you, you two are great. And it's nice to be able to talk to people that, uh understand and you know aren't aren't there just to kind of like oh it's kind of scary and weird and we want to mm -hmm. talk about it because it's because it's something we don't talk about in in society yeah not enough um we talk about the wrong things and <laughs> yes you know and i'm the type of person where i am just blatantly honest and i'll talk to people so much about our sex life um mm -hmm. what they should be doing what they're why aren't they doing it um, I'm just, I feel like why hide that? Um, yeah. because everybody's doing it. I am mm -hmm. addicted to a channel on YouTube called weird history mm -hmm. and I absolutely love it. And I told hubby the other day, wow, we've been getting freaky for a long time, like a long time hearing these stories, learning that like Casanova was actually a real person. I thought it was mm -hmm. kind of, you know, I thought it was just a name for, you know, uh, a man about town, but Casanova was out there and in there with everybody, including <laughs> his own daughter. That part, yeah. And no. but you know what? I mean, and it's the, people don't realize this. I mean, kink was a thing long before it had a label. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, centuries before it had a, it had a label, and kink was a thing when you know when at one point when it was considered a mental illness. Yeah, you know. 
and I mean, it's come a long way, but again, you're right. There's a lot of people out there that still, they're scared of the conversation. They're scared of the topic. Um, you, you know, and being that I do, this is what I, what I, I do. Sometimes it's hard because it's like, you know, a lot of coaches will go into like, can go into corporate settings and mm -hmm. do their thing. I'm a kink coach. Those, those things aren't talked about in the corporate right. world, you know, they, they should, should be. be. Yeah, because honestly, even if it's, even if it's not intimacy or like sex, negotiation and, and consent is still a thing that that can be taught, you know, in the in the in the everyday world. One thousand percent. And actually, I think that if you were brought into a corporate environment, they they could they could avoid the sexual harassment kind of um, you know undertone yeah. that goes on in a lot of places and offices. I mean. Let's be honest, when you work in a corporate environment, when you work a job, you spend more time with those that you work with than yes. you do at home. Absolutely. So it makes sense that relationships start and there's, you know, somebody's sleeping with somebody else. And mm -hmm. so in order to build a culture around that, that is all encompassing, inviting, but also letting people know, like, this is the behavior that you have to exhibit. You would be great and, and to be able to come in and, you know, and bring that environment in and that, and that corporate, you know, that corporate world yeah. um, and do it in a way that is not salacious, you know, um, you know, not where it's going to ruffle in Biddy's feathers. Although probably that person who's judgmental and not having good sex, they will find a reason to be upset. Of course, well, someone will always find a reason. Yes. Yeah. So j just recently this week uh, at work, um, I'm a teacher, but one of the students was like, uh, he didn't respect Will Smith anymore because you know what happened with Will Smith and the mm -hmm. entanglement thing, right? Mm -hmm. So he didn't respect Will Smith anymore because August Alcina had the entanglement with uh, Jada. And he's like, that's only for rich people. I was like, you would actually be surprised. That is a probably more common thing than you would actually think. Like, you can't mm -hmm. judge people just based off of what you've been told like there's so many other different things out there oh yeah yeah so do you feel that a lot of the miscommunication misunderstanding um you know knows being turned down do you think that that comes from a lot of non-education of course not having a knowledge but also judgment and if it is from judgment why do you think that individuals judge. Yeah. Um, without, without, without while, while trying not to get too political. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh. I, I, I think a lot of it is lack of education. I think mm -hmm. it's not necessarily that people don't have um, the wherewithal for the education. I think that as our society is, the education is not accepted and therefore it's not mainstream. So it's not, it's not taught. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, even though technically America is supposed to separate church and state, it really isn't, you know, and Never. this country, yeah, this country is still run and built, but built by and run by, you know, the religious people. And so, you know, unfortunately that's just the way it is. And because of that, you know, and again, you know, speaking from someone who actually was raised in the church, mm -hmm. you know, I remember the shame I felt when I was younger for being me. Yeah. So, 
you know, and that, those are the people that are running the country. And those are the people that honestly, in one way or another, not necessarily Catholics, but the, the religious types of running the world. So yeah. it's like, it's something that I feel that it's not like crazy to talk about, but I think because people have put such a stigma on it, mm-hmm. they're afraid to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then when you have the leaders are just kind of like, let's brush this under the rug and, you know, and pretend it doesn't exist and just, you know, not talk about it so we don't have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so funny because, it, you know, I grew up in the church as well. Um, I think most people of color do. I think more, you know, as eight out of 10 people grew up in, you know, religion as a basis of how they live their life or, you know, mm-hmm. that's what told you right or wrong. Um, yeah. And it's funny because a lot of teenagers, there's a lot of teen pregnancy within the within organized religion. There's mm-hmm. a lot of affairs and it's really funny for them to be like, keep your legs closed and don't have sex. There's a lot of sex going on. A lot of sex going on um, oh, yeah. within within organized religion and in churches. So it's it's very um it's hypocritical. It's down route hypocritical. We even talked about it on an episode one time where it's supposed to be a separation of church and state, but then on the dollar bill it says in God we trust. Exactly. That's a complete contradiction. Absolutely. You know, and honestly, when they when they swear in the president, they do it on the Bible. Yes. Oh, and you, you know, know. Well, let's not get started there. <laughs> but, but going back to what you're saying about re- religion and sex, I mean, you know, when the reason I actually left the church was when I was about, I was a late teenager, early 20s, I think. Mm-hmm. It was the church. I, so I was, at the time, I was a born-again Christian. What and, denomination? Um, gosh, I knew you were going to ask that, and I completely forget. Um <laughs> But yeah, anyways, it's all the same. It's It's religion's religion. Um, But, but yeah, so it was um, our, our pastor had passed away like a year before I left the church. You know, he had a, like a sudden heart attack in his yard and just kind of dropped, was dead before he hit the ground type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But then we find out six months later that his entire pastoral career, he was doing things he shouldn't have been doing Mm -hmm. to the youth, Mm -hmm. you know, must be Catholic. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah. sorry joke that's right <laughs> and i'm trying to say this obviously as, as politely as i possibly can yeah, right. you know yeah. you, you get the point of what i'm saying yeah. Yeah. um i i was one of the one of the few at the time to find out about it and i was telling people i was talking about it because i think this is something people needed to know mm-hmm. and i actually got excommunicated from my church because of it so wow. yeah i mean and seeing that and like you said it, it's, it shows the hypocritic hypocrisy excuse me of of religion it's like they would be up there and you know i remember when i was a teenager i remember sitting in front of my youth group and saying god saved me from the sin of homosexuality mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that's the stuff they taught us mm-hmm. oh yeah they preached it but they didn't practice it you know what i mean it was, yeah, it was so I, that was always a a weird one for me uh, mm-hmm. at least in christianity it's anti-homosexuality, but yet mm-hmm. God made everybody and made them to be who they're supposed to be. So mm-hmm. where does that? There's that always play? somebody, especially in, in in black churches. There's always a choir director, mm-hmm. a Sunday school, somebody who everybody knows clearly they're homosexual, um, mm-hmm. and everybody just looks the other way, you know. Mm-hmm. And 
that to me is also like, how is that a way to live? And I know we don't have to make this a religious thing, but how is that a way to live <laughs> when you are just living a lie? You're, you're, you're being delusional, you know, yeah. and then you're judging other people and condemning them based on mm-hmm. your, your delusion. But like I said, we won't, you know, yeah. we won't stop <laughs> with that. Uh, we're going to have a whole bunch of comments. Uh, <laughs> so let's back up and, and tell me a little bit about, um, you know, I like to ask this question. It's very broad, but it gets to the point. You were born. You're here today. Mm-hmm. Fill us in on and everything in between. But to make it even more succinct, how did you begin your journey into a you know a life coach and also being an educator and an advocate for you know healthy sexual lifestyle, especially um, alternative as people call them, which I think mm-hmm. we're gonna have to change that term. Yeah. Soon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll tell you that intro that, you know, I struggled for so long. And I'll, I'll answer your question in a second, but like the, I struggled how to word it. And uh-huh. I, I came up, I ended up coming up with that non-traditional phrasing, mm-hmm. which I don't like it, but I'm like, it's the best I can do. Cause I don't know how else to really explain what it is I do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I get that, but to get into to get back to your question, uh, I, I've been, I, I kind of been unofficially life coaching most of my life, uh, I've always been the one that people have come to to talk to. They wanted to, you know, whenever they want to, you know, say what, what's been happening, you know, people just open up to me. They've always opened up to me my whole life. Um, when I was in my 20s, I lived in Los Angeles. And at the time, my roommate, uh, I was basically her, like, her pro bono life coach. Uh, but this was before I even knew what the term was. She actually said to me, she's like, you should be a life coach because you're basically my life coach. I was like, oh, well, let me, what is this life coach? Because I didn't know what it was at the time. So I, I did mm-hmm. some research and this is early on in, um, com- excuse me, in computers. Like we're, going, we're talking about 15, almost 20 years ago now because I'm an okay. old man. Um, <laughs> so, but, you know, so Google had some information, but not a lot, but I was, I was able to look it up and I kind of researched it and found out. I'm like, yeah, this is really, this is, this is what I feel. Mm-hmm. And I kind of did that for many, many years. And then. Uh, at first I was just generic relationship or generic, mm-hmm. um, personal style life coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but I realized I, I, I had been, I started thinking about my past and coming out like, cause when I came out, I was, I was in my early, I was early twenties, I believe. Um, it was probably a couple of years after I left the church. Um, I remember at the time, and this is, we're talking about mid to late 90s okay. where being uh being out and gay was not as acceptable as it is today mm-hmm. um so there was a lot of fear you know i couldn't i didn't feel comfortable walking down the street like holding my boyfriend's i still to this day i have trouble walking down the street with my husband holding my husband's hand just because of yeah. those old feelings yeah yeah and so i looked at that and i said you know i don't want people to feel the way that i felt most of my life, mm-hmm. you know, there was a time and actually just had this conversation with my husband last night. There was a time where I used to say, you know, nobody chooses to be gay, which is true. Nobody chooses to be gay. But I also say like, if I had a choice, I wouldn't be. And, and because that's, of, yeah. that's because what of a lot of people, a lot of, of, you know, members of the community say because yeah. of the struggle, because of what you have to go through and, you know, growing up and being a teenager, it's hard enough, just, you know, regular teenager. Like it's hard enough. You're trying to figure out who you are. You know, you're trying to, uh, you know, 
not distance yourself, but let your parents know, like, you guys did good. I'm, I'm, I'm self-sufficient. Yeah. But you're trying not to, to mention your out. hormones are all over the place. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I, you know, I have a 14 year old who's going through 14 and 11 year old boys, but the 14 year old is definitely just like in puberty deep. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God. And it's different when you're a 14 year old girl and you like the boys. I'm mm-hmm. like, what was I thinking? I was like, boys smell. And they're like, well, yeah. So anyways, I, but I think it's ironic that in terms of America it's supposed to be like, uh, where you could go and have your dreams come true type deal. But yet, not only in terms of sexuality, but even in terms of race, mm-hmm. no one would choose to be black or a minority in America. Like you might accept it and own it, but it doesn't benefit you in any way. But yet this is supposed to be the land where everybody's free, everybody's dreams come true. Uh, the most powerful yeah. country and just everything. Yeah, the most accepting uh, it is the it is the yeah. first country as long as you fit into a certain cookie mold. Yes. yes. <laughs> so uh, I did want to ask before you uh, yeah. continue. I did want to ask. So, what age did you know that that you were homosexual? And was it always was? I mean, I, of course, it was a struggle. I know if you were, especially in the church. Um, yeah. But what age? Because I I, I definitely want to answer the question or talk about how people say they don't know at a certain age. Like, there's no way that kids know at blah 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 age or you know yeah. so. which by the way are we allowed to curse i just want to make sure oh yes please case. absolutely yes okay good um <laughs> i don't that, trust people that don't curse <laughs> good um <laughs> i think that 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 statement uh that i hear is, is is complete bullshit um i think that i mean when i know i don't know when i knew but i think i've known my whole life okay i remember when i was six or seven when I was home, when I was home alone, I would go into my mother's closet and put on her clothes and put on her shoes and mm-hmm. dress up like her, you know, which obviously doesn't denote being gay, but it, you know, it's, I was experimenting. I was trying to learn yeah. myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember growing up, you know, looking, looking at guys and thinking, you know, they're, they're cute. I wonder what, you know, stuff like that you know mm-hmm. innocent the, the same thing thoughts, that but yeah a hetero yeah. person that's like you look at the opposite sex and you're like well wonder or you, yeah exactly yeah. yeah you know nothing obviously nothing illicit at that age but you know just the same things and and then but then i would like you know squash it because again church that's not okay you know but the idea is i'm gonna marry a woman and we're gonna have two and a half children live with white picket fence and all that bs mm-hmm. um but i think i knew like I said, that's my whole life. I didn't officially come out until, like I said, my early, uh, I think my late teens, early 20s, like maybe like around 19, 20 years old, I think is when I f- officially came out. Um, so you were just mentioning uh, being married to a woman. Have you seen mm-hmm. the show on, I believe it's A&E, um, about the group of Mormon men who are married but they are really, I don't know if they they're, consider themselves homosexual or they're, not, but. They're, they're, they're gay. Um, yeah. Well, you know, they're at least bi, but yeah. what they do is they, they hang out together and they're like, we're a support group, but they show them, this was actually a show on a but they covered it most recently. They were talking about it because it's from like 10 years ago on um, E or Entertainment News or something like that. But mm-hmm. they showed, oh no, 2020. So the guys That's went out to go play right. basketball. Mm-hmm. They're not playing basketball at all. 
they're just standing there talking about how hot the guys are and this and that. And then they're interviewing with the wives and they're like, yeah, but, but I'm not like, you know, I, I can never because of my religion and what the church right. says. And, um, yeah. So yeah, I was wondering oh, yeah. if you had seen it or seen, I haven't, but I'm going to have to look that up now. Cause that actually sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah. it was, um, I thought it was just funny that the wives are like, or the wife they show because it's focused on like one couple and then he had a group of friends. But the wife that they showed, she was like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's completely straight. And then Mm -hmm. they're going to the basketball court and they're not playing basketball. They're just checking out the other guys. Yeah. Which is fine. That's what you want to do. But they're bouncing a ball, just not the basketball. Right, exactly. 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 <laughs> and in that kind of situation, to me, it makes me feel bad for the wife because, once again, you're trying to hold up this facade because of what everybody else is going to think and, more importantly, what mm-hmm. your church is going to think, what your religion is going to be. And I wonder, I'm, I'm always about being very accountable and understanding who you are and mm-hmm. understanding, you know, things that make you tick and just mm-hmm. why you do certain things. I just can't imagine they they like have the conversation with themselves like I'm doing best for my children. I'm doing the mm-hmm. best for myself. I'm doing mm-hmm. the best, you know, for my husband. If you were approached with a scenario like that, how would you how would you handle it? How would you, you know, work with them? Um, well, I think for me, because I in taking it out of the 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 uh, LGBT sphere just talking about stuff like that mm-hmm. um i'm reminded like when i was a kid so I'm, i come from a from a, a broken home uh my parents split when i was 12. okay they they had said to me you know we had stayed together for for as long as we did for the kids mm-hmm. i look back and i think that was probably one of the worst things they could have done because the kids saw them fighting we saw the marriage in in shambles and we saw what it looked like to not we, we saw an example of a relationship that it, we shouldn't be seeing. You know what I mean? Yes. yes. Oh, so, no, I, same thing here. I, yeah. So yeah. I think to me, it's a lot of the same thing. It's like, oh, we, you know, when they say something like, oh, we're doing it for the kids. You're not doing it for the kids. You're, you're doing it for yourself. You're just using the kids as your scapegoats because, you know, as human beings in general, we fear change. We fear difference. So we want to keep the status quo. Um, and, you know, status quo means pretending to be something, sometimes pretending to be something we're not, you know, and, and that keeps us either, you know, in a job or in our, our faith or sometimes alive, depending on where you are in the world, you know? So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's, I don't, that fear. People, yeah, there's a lot of fear yeah. and, I, and I, and I understand a lot of the fear, especially like I said, in certain parts, but when they come to say, Oh no, I just didn't want to do it. Cause you know, I wanted to do it for the kids. I severely question that because yeah. kids, you know, I mean, they're kids. They're smarter than we give them credit for. So much. And, and, resi- they, and more resilient than what and more we resilient. give them credit for. Uh, yeah. And they, the damage and they comes see. when, yeah, when they're in a toxic situation or when they see exactly. their parents, you know, yeah. just not even able to have a basic conversation. That's right. when the, the, the trauma happens, not because exactly. the parents split up. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I couldn't tell you the good the good moments of, of my parents' relationship, but I can tell you the, the nights where my father would pack his bags, and, you know, threatening to go to the Y, because and move out. Those are the oh, nights yeah. I remember. You know, I completely. I I I could. We could sit here and share and share stories. <laughs> uh, yeah. My parents stayed together till I was uh, probably like a senior in high school, and I don't know why. 
I don't know why. Mm -hmm. I remember telling my best friend at 10 years old, they should, they should not be married. And I remember saying that, you know, so, um, but what you said is it kind of teaches you about relationships that you don't want to have. You have to be aware of that though. So that, because you will, you, you will make mistakes and you will get into that naturally because we're, you know, nature and nurture and our environment Mm -hmm. shapes us. But you have to be aware that this is not what I want. I want something different. I want something better so that mm-hmm. you can be in a healthy relationship and not repeat that, you know, that Absolutely. cycle. And, um, that, and that, that took me a long time to, real, to learn and kind of admit to myself. You know, it was like when I started my relationship with my husband, we've been married now 10 years. We've been together for about 12. Um, in the beginning, I st- I didn't know how relationships were because mm-hmm. I've never really had a good relationship. I never had a stable mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, he came from a very different environment than me. I mean, his parents obviously aren't perfect, but they were, they're still together. They love each other. They're much better, much better relationship than, than I've dealt with. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's had a different example of what a couple, what a relationship looks like than I have. So he had to teach me, you know, a lot yeah. for me to, before for me to realize that yeah i'm doing this wrong <laughs> yeah you know yeah and it's okay to to kind of be torn down and away and rebuild yeah, um, yeah and when you can find somebody that is supportive and that does that with you it's even better because that's exactly what my husband did i have a 25 year old and mm-hmm. his father was my first first love and after four years you know um i just decided one day i can do bad by myself which mm-hmm. I can't stand that I said that because I heard my mother say it so many times. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it, when you realize that somebody has your back and they're like, look, I'm not faulting you for it. You just don't know. So, and I'm not a pro, but let's go ahead and figure this out together. Mm-hmm. Thank you for joining us on Soulmates and Swingers. We hope that you enjoyed yourself just as much as we did. Please don't miss our next play date. It just wouldn't be the same without you. Until next time, be passionate, be in the moment, be bold, be loving, be the best version of you. Love and light. Hey, this is Mondo. Thanks for joining us this week on Soulmates and Swingers. If you have any questions or any topics that you want us to cover, you can reach us at 12 I-N-N-S-A-T-I-V-A at gmail.com and also on Twitter at 12-I-N-N-S-A-T-I-V-A. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe, comment, hit all the buttons you can except for the delete button, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.